When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Kindle. Great spellers come from great readers, and that's why Kindle is the proud presenting sponsor of this Thursday's 2016 Scripps National Spelling Bee. A single-purpose Kindle e-reader holds thousands of books, ensuring young readers always have a book with them. Features like WordWise support comprehension and vocabulary development, while Kindle Free Time awards achievement badges for reading reaching, reaching reading milestones. To learn more about the ways Kindle inspires a child's emerging love of reading, visit Amazon.com slash Kindle for Kids and make sure to tune in to the Scripps National Spelling Bee presented by Kindle this Thursday, June 1st at 8 p.m. on ESPN. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 109, and today we are talking about books released on May 30th, 2017, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow podcast, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello? There you are. How are you? <laughs> I'm here. Hello. How are you? <laughs> there was a long pause. I got worried. She's like, you know what? I'm oh. done. I'm leaving. Weird. Yeah, no, I'm here. I'm not leaving you. We're recording a little early, so it's Friday afternoon. And I don't know about you, but I feel definitely squirrelier than I feel on Monday afternoons when we record. Well, it's a long holiday weekend. And do you want to guess how I'm going to spend it? Um, Reading? No. One would think that, but last night I discovered that all 11 seasons of Cheers is on Netflix. And so I I sat down and watched like 11 episodes. But it's like, only well, a half hour, right? So it's it's only five yeah. and a half hours of it's your like life. Tw- they're you? like twenty five minutes, which is like three minutes longer than sitcoms are now. I think I think mm-hmm. they're like twenty two minutes. But it's a ama- it's an amazing like it's like their hair and their clothing. <laughs> like it's incredible. Like to look at this stuff. Like the men all have perms and their hair doesn't move and. Like the like Shelly Long's hair, like what is that? It's like a bell on her head. It's crazy. <laughs> it's so much fun though. It's really good. I'm some like, of those fashions right. are like coming back. Oh, this is 1981, like the first season, and and I'm just like wow, you know, like the shirts that she wears and stuff. It's so great. Just like for like an idea of like what it was like back then. It's fun to watch just for that so- very reason. But it's also fun and funny. Are you as efficient a TV watcher as you are a reader? Like, will it only take you two weeks to watch 11 seasons of Cheers, or will it take yes. you less than that? It'll probably take me less. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I'm like, that's what I'm going to do this weekend. Yeah, it's That's amazing. Kind of- I'm the slowest. Like, I'll be like, I'm going to binge watch. Like, a couple summers ago, it was Dawson's Creek. Like, I'm going to rewatch all of Dawson's Creek. And it took me, like, six months to Ooh. watch what five seasons maybe of Dawson's Creek I was like I'm I'm slow I can do the short like the AMC shows like Mad Men I think where there's only 12 episodes per season but it'll still take me three months to like actually do it all I think it ties into me finishing everything that I read like I just Mm. want to know all of it good or bad so like I have to like sit down and do the whole season right then or that's it 
So, so. next week, we'll, we can have an update on where you are on Cheers. We could make like a Cheers tracker for you. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, but we should probably talk about books because oh. we have... What are we books? have a bunch of good books this week. Books are the things that normally you spend your free time doing, Lib. I did hit my head, you know. <laughs> no, the, I'm so excited for this first book. I'm just so delighted that people are going to get to read it now because it's just in time for the warm weather. It is the perfect summer rom-com. It's so adorable. I love it so much. It's called When Dimple Met Rishi by Sandia Menon. And it's so cute. And I know, like, everyone at Book Riot has been like, ah, over this book. It's just, it's the best. It's about an Indian-American girl named Dimple. She's 18. She's just graduated. Um, she's headed to Stanford in the fall. She's very excited to be going to school. Um, she's also very grateful to be going to school because her parents are from Mumbai. They're very traditional, and she wasn't certain that they were going to allow her to go to school or, you know, pay for the school because it's so expensive and... You know, her mother wants her to focus on other things, like wearing makeup, and she doesn't want her to wear her glasses. She wants her to wear contacts and, you know, try and look pretty because she wants her to meet a man. You know, her parents are very happy that, you know, she's happy and she's healthy, but what they really want for her is for her to find, uh, as Dimple calls it, an IIH, an ideal Indian husband. You know, and she's like 18 and she's just graduated school and she's really into computers and programming. And she wants to go to this summer program called InsomniaCon, which is for programmers, which is where her hero, uh, who invented the social media site MeetSpace, went to school. <laughs> and she's going to be one of the judges there and, like, giving talks. And she's all, like, like Dimple really wants to go to this, this thing. But she's, like, certain that, you know, her parents are, like, letting her go to Stanford, but they're not going to pony up $1,000 for her to go to this summer program. So she is very surprised... When she mentions it to them and they readily agree, like she should go to this programming convention. So, but it turns out that her parents have a scheme in mind. They want, they have been talking to the parents of a boy named Rishi and they think that they should be married. Like they want to arrange a marriage between the two of them. And Rishi is actually, he's in on it. Like he knows that, that they have Dimple in mind. His, his parents have Dimple in mind for him to marry. Um, so he's also attending this program and his parents think like it's fate that they both wanted to go to this thing. So they must be meant for each other. So, you know, this is going to work out great, you know, but Rishi knows and, and Dimple doesn't. So like when they meet, he's kind of like, Hey, you're my future wife. And she's like, ah, and like throws a drink at him, you know? Um, <laughs> Hell no. so that doesn't go very well, but you know, they're both adorable nerds. They like the same things. And they they sort of, like, bond over the idea that arranged marriage is outdated. It's, like, an outdated idea to them. And they're just going to be friends and talk about computers and everything's going to be fine. And it's told from both their point of views. And it's just, like I said, it's so cute and fun and smart. Um, like, I, I adored it to pieces. Again, it's called When Dimple Met Rishi by Sandia Menon. It is currently, I don't know if you saw this or not. I did, yes. Stats yesterday. It's currently the most watch-listed title that Book Riot Insiders are putting on their watch lists from the new release index, which if you're like, what do those words mean, Rebecca? Um, We have 
this thing called Book Riot Insiders. That is a subscription program where you can subscribe at different levels to get access to different cool things. And for $5 a month or $49 a year, you can access a level where you get a bunch of stuff. But one of the awesome things that you get is access to the new release index, which is a beautifully curated place to find out about and track upcoming releases. Liberty is the one who curates it. You can search by just scrolling through all the gorgeous book covers and click on them and get descriptions and save them to your watch list. Or you can filter it by genre or by age group. There's a bunch of other things. But we just started building the tool on the back end for us to be able to track which titles were getting a lot of heat. It's not public facing yet. So if you are a Book Riot insider and you're like, how come I don't have this information? It's because we haven't given it to you yet. Um, but we just did the first dump, like data dump for ourselves of the most watchlisted titles. And when Dimple met Rishi was number one. Yay! Very so good. exciting. It's very exciting. Um, so good. And Hunger by Roxane Gay was number two. Of course. And Physics, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry by Neil deGrasse Tyson was number three, which makes me very happy. Um, so that's your little teaser. If you want to see this beautiful thing and potentially join up to Book Riot Insiders, you can go to insiders.bookriot.com to check it out and to do to use a demo of the new release index so you can see how it works. Um, but it's it's pretty awesome. So that was a nice little uh, moment of pitching for a thing that I didn't really plan, but that that happens. Thank you. Uh, My first pick this week is a follow-up from the title I mentioned that I was going to be reading next last week. It's We Are Never Meeting in Real Life, Essays by Samantha Irby. This book is hilarious. Um, She is about my same age. She's in her mid-30s. She is a writer, and I don't know if she would consider herself a comedian, but I think she is a very funny lady, Uh, but also very smart. And these are just like super real talk essays about life. Um, Some of them deal with being chronically ill. Some of them deal with mental illness. Some of them deal with a very tough family situation. Her father was an alcoholic who was in and out of the picture when she was growing up and who was emotionally and sometimes physically abusive. Her mother had a degenerative disease and was in and out of a nursing home and dif- like very difficult care situations. She grew up very poor uh, and just is having, as she's writing these essays, is having her first real grown-up romantic relationship at the ripe old age of 35 and writing about that experience, but also about other failed relationships and friendships and she works, uh, her day job is working at a veterinary office. So we get some stories about that too, but it's just so funny. Like I, I said, I think on the Slack for Book Riot Insiders that, um, I want to like have a couple of drinks with her, but she's, I don't know that I want to be friends cause there's like a lot going on here, but that makes for the very best essays. I think she really sees herself in an honest way and puts all of her stuff out there, but it's not like, it, this is not set up to be like, here is a poignant essay collection. But because she's just being so honest, sometimes there are moments of like great poignancy buried inside all of the humor. She's just very thoughtful, very funny. And one of the essays has the best and most hilarious poop story that I have read in a memoir to date. And when I started thinking about it, it was like, no, I can actually think of like several others. This is a thing. Like the Trevor Noah memoir has a great poop story. Mary Roach, not memoirs, but Mary Roach will go very far to tell a poop joke in her books. Um, But I appreciate it when a humorous writer can like really go to that place of like, here is a super embarrassing story that I'm going to tell you and I'm doing it for entertainment and it's great. Uh, But Samantha Irby also like she writes about race. She writes about being 
a fat black woman living in a world that wants everyone to be the skinny white ladies and uh, what her experiences were like. She lives in Chicago, but like when she goes to a wedding in the suburbs and has to drive through a Confederate, like the Confederate camp of a civil war reenactment in Naperville, Illinois. <laughs> Like what that experience is like. And it's both funny and terrifying. Uh, but she's it's really great. My only regret about this is that I read it instead of trying to get it on audiobook. I think it would be amazing on audio. So, so funny. If you need a pick-me-up in your reading life, if you're listening to this and it's like just after the holiday weekend and you don't know what to do to like get back on the horse, pick this up. It's excellent. We Are Never Meeting in Real Life by Samantha Irby. And it has a cat on the cover. It does have a cat. Mad oh, yeah, because she has a cat that, like, <laughs> is a terrible cat. Terrible cats are the best. <laughs> I wondered if you related to that. Oh, yes. I still miss her terribly. <laughs> uh, okay, well, so we'll do our first sponsor, and then it will be your turn again. All right. Uh, the good folks at Owlcrate are back this week. Owlcrate is a monthly subscription service that delivers bookish fun straight to your door. Each box contains a brand new hardcover young adult novel, as well as a whole bunch of bookish keepsakes to help you set the mood for a literary adventure. Every box is built with a super fun and creative theme in mind, and it also includes special goodies right from the author. Owlcrate has also a brand new box for younger bookworms. It's called Owlcrate Junior. It's for readers aged 8 to 12 or anyone who's young at heart. So if you want to get in on the Owlcrate goodness, you can do that by uh, signing up at owlcrate.com and use the offer code BOOKRIOT10, all one word and the number 10, to get 10% off. A lot of the items that they include in the boxes are handmade by small businesses like Etsy sellers. Most of them are exclusive, so you can't get these goodies anywhere else. And they've also begun sending out books that have exclusive cover designs, so that is really special. So again, go to owlcrate.com and use the offer code BOOKRIOT10 to get 10% off when you sign up. Very cool. Speaking of Owlcrate, oh. I have a segue. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change things up. I just changed my okay. order around because I realized. Um, so I don't know if you're like me, but when I'm reading like a novel and I come across a website, I will look it up. Like, do you ever yes. do that? Sometimes. And if so it sounds real. I yeah. was reading... This next pick called Eliza and Her Monsters by Francesca Zappia. And there was a website, so I went to it. And they were like, yay, you're here because you read this book. It's not actually anything but hi. And we're so excited for it to come out. And someone was like in the comments, I love this book. I got it through Owlcrate. So someone has already hmm. read this awesome book that is cool. coming out today. And I was like, ooh, that's cool. Um, so yeah, I love this book. It's, like I said, it's called Eliza and Her Monsters. And the author is, uh, also wrote Made You Up, which I have not read, but I know a lot of book riot people love it and have said many wonderful things about it. Um, this one is perfect for fans of Rainbow Rowell and Nimona, sort of like if you, the comic aspect. Um, but I'll tell you what it's about. So by day, Eliza Merck is a quiet senior in high school She's picked on a lot by her classmates and bullied. Um, she just puts her hood up and puts her head down, and she's just biding her time until she can go to college because she hears that college is so much better than high school, and she can't wait. She's got, like, seven months left. But by night, Eliza Merck is Lady Constellation. She is the creator and artist behind a wildly popular webcomic called Monstrous Sea. Like, millions of hits and 
agents and publishers, like, asking her, you know, like, let's make this into a book and all this stuff. And she doesn't want that. She just wants to draw her comics and post on the internet and talk about um, her nerdy TV shows with her fans. Um, there's one uh, called Dog Days, which I think is supposed to be, like, the Teen Wolf kind of, like, fandom. And so sh- she does this, you know, by night. And few people know, you know, except for, like, her parents and, like, the two mods on her um, blog that she's actually Lady Constellation. And one day at school, the teacher calls her in and asks her if she will show around this new boy named Wallace. And she's like, ugh. You know, she doesn't want to meet anybody new. She doesn't want to make any friends. She doesn't really have any friends in real life. Um, But she knows she agrees. And Wallace is kind of cool. She, like, kind of shows him around. And guess what Wallace is obsessed with? That's right. The monstrous sea, her webcomic. And she's like, well, I can't tell him, you know. But he's, like, writing fan fiction about it, and they talk about it all the time, and they sort of bond over this. And she realizes she's falling for Wallace, and she begins to spend less time creating her comic and questioning, like, why does she do it? Does she do it because it takes her away from the real world and, you know, where she doesn't enjoy things? Does she do it because she really loves it? And so she's, you know, spending less time. People are like, (gasps) Where are your new pages? Where is this? Where is that? But, you know, she's got a cute boy, and they're talking about her comic. He still doesn't know, you know. And then something happens. But I'm not going to tell you what it is. They say it in the description of the book, but it's, like, two-thirds of the way in. No! And I was like, mm, That's mm. not cool. Yeah, so, so I'm not going to tell you what it is. I will just tell you that this is a great story. It's a great story about fandom and fan fiction and nerding out and about being yourself But it also, like, from the other side, it's about the pressure that fans put on their creators and, you know, to always make things for them and when is the next thing and what are they going to do and and that side of it. And also in the the novel are blog entries and DM chats and the comics that she's drawing, like, interspersed throughout the chapters. It's really fun. Again, it's called Eliza and Her Monsters by Francesca Zappia. Man, I'm, like, mad on reader's behalf that a thing that happens two-thirds of the way through the book is mentioned yeah. on the jacket. I mean, and I, I don't usually read the jackets, but for some reason, I, I had read this one. So I was like, that took a long time. Like, when is that going to happen, you know? <laughs> so. Ah, that's the worst. Yeah. Good warnings, good warnings. Uh, my next pick this week is The Girl with the Make-Believe Husband, which, tell me that's not the best title ever. Uh, it's by Julia Quinn. If you are a romance reader, you probably have come across Julia Quinn's Bridgerton's series. They are one of my favorites. And this is a prequel. It's a Bridgerton's prequel. Um, it's about a girl named Cecilia Harcourt. Uh, her brother, Thomas, is injured in battle in the colonies. Like, the, the characters, these are all set in England, but her, Thomas is over in what's going to become the U.S. fighting, he's injured. And she has two options then. She can move in with her maiden aunt, or she can marry a cousin. Like, this is these are her options because you have to, when you're a lady in, like, Regency England, you have to get married to survive. But she decides to make up option three for herself, and she travels across the ocean to find her brother and nurse him back to health. But she's been looking for a week She doesn't find her brother, but she does find his best friend, Edward, who is very handsome. He's unconscious. He needs her care. And Cecilia vows that she's going to save his life. But when he comes to, he is very confused because she has already told everyone that they're married. Oh, it's while you were sleeping (laughs) in Regency England. Basically. 
I have just started this, like since we're recording the show several days early, um, I have not finished it yet, but I love Julia Quinn. She is reliably a great romance writer, and I just love this setup for it so much. Uh, like Edward recognizes Cecilia because she is his best friend's sister, and he doesn't have any reason to believe that they're not married, and he just like forgot it before he got hit on the head and passed out. So he thinks that it happened, and he just doesn't know for sure. <laughs> and it's just, I think it's just great. <laughs> so that is the setup. It'll follow, I'm sure, the, you know, a romance construction of... Something will tear them apart and then they'll get back together. I'm looking forward to finding out how their happily ever after ends up happening. But I just appreciate the fun of this setup and that she takes the third option, that she's not like resigning herself to moving in with the aunt or to marrying her cousin. Like, I know that they did that back then, but still. <laughs> I'm going to swindle uh, a brain damaged man. <laughs> option three. Feminism liberty. <laughs> That took a turn. <laughs> that got dark real fast. <laughs> Sometimes you have to take matters into your own hands, okay? Um, and that's what Cecilia Harcourt does. That's what all my favorite romance heroines do. They're very self-possessed. Uh, she's a scheming lady, and I'm excited to find out how it ends. So again, that's The Girl with the Make-Believe Husband by Julia Quinn. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen here. I said I was feeling a little looser on a Friday afternoon than I usually do on yeah. Mondays. Yeah, because we got a big weekend to look forward to. Yeah, what's next on your list? My next pick is The White Road by Sarah Lotz. If you're looking for a fun, creepy, adventurous sort of summer read, this is it. It is about a young man in Wales named Simon. He's kind of a slacker, kind of a you know, self-described underachiever. He's a 20-something. He works at a coffee shop with his best friend Terry. And he and Terry have this blog. Um, they kind of sound like my people. It's called Journey to the Dark Side, and they like to post photos of upsetting things. They are morbid little monkeys. And this takes place, it starts in 2006, so there's not a lot of blogs doing things like this, but like they like to post like you know, murder sites and stuff like that. And they hear about this cave where these men died um, while they were exploring these caves and that their bodies are still there. Um, they've been there since the 80s and no one's allowed to go in that cave anymore because it's so dangerous. But searching the internet, Simon, of course, finds someone who says that he would be willing to take someone down there. Um, and so Simon's just like, oh, I've always wanted to do this. He, like, lies to the guy. He's like, I've always wanted to do this. Um, you know, but then, of course, when he gets there, things go terribly wrong. And he's like, I was here to take pictures of the bodies. But, you know, but it's too late. Things go terribly, terribly wrong. Um, and Simon escapes just barely. And the footage that he shoots for his blog makes them semi-famous. Like, they put it up on the website. And everybody's like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. You're crazy. Can't believe you did that, you know. And so Terry's like, we're, like, one step away from getting advertisers and making tons of money. So you need to do something else really crazy. So, like, what's, like, something really crazy you could do? Oh, why don't you climb Mount Everest? Because why not, right? It's there. That's what mm -hmm. everyone says. Um, now, Simon, who has, like, really no climbing experience, Terry, his BFF, because Terry doesn't have to do any of these things, he sends an email to this guide, you know, lying, saying that Simon has done all these amazing hikes and he's climbed all these amazing mountains. And 
you know, he's so ready to do this. And Simon's like, yeah, okay, I'll go along with it because fame and glory. And when he gets there, one of the women, he thinks she's a babe. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to hike this, this mountain with this woman and it's going to be awesome. But, you know, <laughs> of course, hiking Mount Everest, not that easy. And before, nope. before Simon's climb, we read the diary entries of a woman named Juliet. She is a famous mountain climber. She has recently lost her climbing partner on Everest on the other side, uh, and she's hiking again to reclaim her reputation because people said that he died because she made mistakes, and she's trying to conquer her fears. And she leaves this, like, you're reading, like, these creepy diary entries because something is happening to her there. It's, you know, this, uh, Sarah Lotz wrote the creepy books, um, The Three and Day Four, which was, like, horror on a cruise ship, um, which sounds redundant to me, but, um... <laughs> same. <laughs> like, extremely same. <laughs> they're just, like, super creepy fun, and now this one is on a, is on a mountain, um, and it's, it's, it's really, really great. Um, and I don't know that you should read it if you're claustrophobic, though. I mm. am not claustrophobic, but, of course, I've never considered going into a cave, but her writing is so good, like, when you're reading the parts of him in the cave, like, getting himself into these little spots, I was like, oh, I feel tingly and weird, and I don't like this. But it's, it's like, her writing is so good. It's, it's great. So, this super creepy book, it is, again, called The White Road, and it is by Sarah Lotz. Whew, Would you go in a cave right. like that? Um, I've been in caves, but yeah. maybe not voluntarily in these same circumstances. Yeah. I love that you're like, but I wouldn't I'm, go to a Metallica show, but you'll, like, jump off a cliff and I know. go in a cave it is, it is and repel down buildings. What our thresholds <laughs> are. I am not claustrophobic. Like, oh, we well, went, then you'll be fine. We went caving in New Zealand, and we were in some pretty tight little spaces. Like, there is a spot inside this one cave that you have to – they call it – um the second birth because <laughs> the spot is like this tiny little hole and there's water that runs oh, all through the cave. Yeah, so you're like no. in a wetsuit in the cave river um, and you're swimming around, but then to get from one room into the next, you have to squeeze through this tiny little hole and there's like no elegant way to do it. So everyone just comes like splashing out face. Yeah, first. no, there is no third love bra in the world that could convince me. I could get my boobs <laughs> through spots like that. Like no way. <laughs> funny okay <laughs> moving on would you like to hear about our next sponsor please so they were our sponsor on the website yesterday and the cover is phenomenal like i couldn't stop staring at it it's called violet grenade by victoria scott and it has like this well it's a grenade and it's got violets all over it but the cover is like fantastic i was so taken by it um, and they are here today. They're sponsored by Entangled Teen. And let me tell you about some of the characters in Violet Grenade. There is Domino, a runaway with blood on her hands. There's Kane, a silent boy about to explode. Madame Karina is a woman who demands obedience, and Wilson is the one who will destroy them all. Discover the book that number one New York Times bestselling author Lindsay Cummings called an utterly unique, utterly wicked read. So it's for fans of the taboo quality of Forbidden by Tabitha Suzuma or The Buried Secrets and Confessed by Colleen Hoover and the psychological thriller aspects of We Are We Were Liars by E. Lockhart. So it's an eerie new novel from Victoria Scott. Again, it is called Violet Grenade, and we thank them for sponsoring. We'll have a Sounds link great. in the show notes. Look, I said it! Good job! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I stepped on your line. Usually you have to oh, say no. it for me. Like, 
We're just going off the book today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, my next pick, this is my can't wait to read it book because I am saving myself for audio for this. I have learned my lesson with this author. <laughs> it's Theft by Finding Diaries by David Sedaris. Uh, he has been keeping a diary for nearly 40 years. This is the first of two editions, and this is his diaries from 1977 to 2002. Uh, And he records, like here's the synopsis, records everything that captures his attention. Overheard comments, salacious gossip, soap opera plot twists, secrets confided by total strangers. These observations are the source code for his finest work, and through them he has honed his cunning, surprising sentences. And now he's sharing his private writings with the world. Um, The story of how a drug-abusing dropout with a weakness for the International House of Pancakes and a chronic inability to hold down a real job became one of the funniest people on the planet. I love reading people's diaries when you know something about them. And David Sedaris is just one of those very singular people, very funny. His like, If you can listen to his work while driving around in the car and not worry a little bit that you might crash because you're laughing, then we're just not going to be friends. Like, it's fine if he doesn't do it for you, but he's my jam. Uh, and I'm really, like, I've never felt like I knew. It's interesting. Like, you can read a bunch of his stories that are mostly about his life, but you still don't quite feel like you know the person. Um there's that divide between like what's funny as performative writing and what's true about who you are. And I'm excited about getting what sounds like it will be a much more like vulnerable, I guess, look at David Sedaris. I think this should be really interesting and hopefully also fun and funny and insightful um, and great on audio, I'm hoping. Uh, so that's Theft by Finding Diaries by David Sedaris. It's really, it's really amazing to watch him because, you know, he came to the store that I used to work at and he does his signing line and he will sign as long as there are people. So the signing line was like eight hours long and he'll stop people in the middle of a conversation and say like, wait, I have to write something down or wait, Mm -hmm. that's funny. I want to write that down, you know, or he'll like say something to somebody and was like, that was so great. I have to write it down. You know, it's, and it's so funny to watch him do it because it's like, it's refreshing to see somebody who's like. I think I'm pretty funny. Yeah. You know, like... (laughs) Right, and who's like, this is my process. (laughs) Yeah, it's really cool to watch, so... Um, Yeah, I'm excited to read it. So now for something completely different. (laughs) This is a sad segment. (laughs) This is the the exact opposite of anything that I wanted to talk about today, but instead of uh, mentioning a last pick, I just want to discuss... um, the sad news that broke this morning um, that author Dennis Johnson has died. He was only 67. Um, and I know everyone is different, which is good. Um, some people love the art and not the artist. Some people don't feel anything when people they admire pass away. I am not one of those people. I am <laughs> deeply affected by the deaths of people who create art. That means a lot to me. So please forgive me if my voice starts to wobble. But um, we got you. <laughs> I have mentioned him many times on Book Riot, and I know that I've mentioned him a couple times here on the podcast. Um, I call him the greatest living American writer, and it feels really sad to remove that an adjective from that description now. Um, the majority of people writing today were influenced by him. You know, some people like Alexander Chi and Kristen Backus, you know, were his students. Um, I've never seen so many stories about a person appear so quickly on social media. Like, so many writers had amazing things to say about him. There are not many writers who haven't read his most famous work, which is Jesus' Son. Um, and it just turned... It, I think it was, like, the 25th anniversary this year of Jesus' Son. 
And it was also made into a film. And you can actually see Dennis Johnson. He has a cameo in it. He plays the very tall man with the knife sticking out of his eye um, (laughs) in the lobby of the hospital. But he also, I mean, his body of work is incredible. He also wrote uh, Tree of Smoke, which won the National Book Award. He wrote the very slim, beautiful Train Dreams, uh, which was shortlisted for the Pulitzer. And Discovering Jesus' Son in High School was monumental for me. You know, it, it was such a big influence. And... You know, a couple years ago, I spoke with a friend who worked as the fiction editor for a popular magazine that Dennis Johnson submitted pieces to. And I asked her, I said, oh, you know, what's it like editing Dennis Johnson? And she was like, oh, honey, no one edits Dennis Johnson. <laughs> you know, he just he's perfect and you don't have to. You know, he was his work was just really brilliant and gritty and weird and beautiful. And he sounds like he was an amazing human from all the stories that I've been reading. You know, I wish I had known him. Um, Because his books really touched my brain and my heart, and he will be missed. So, I have never read him, so where should I start? Um, His books are are all so different. They're, you know, it depends. Like, um, Nobody Move is sort of like a noir, and Train Dreams is is very quiet and beautiful. Um, The, you know, Tree of Smoke is is very complex, and it's a war novel. So, you really like um, the... Oh my goodness, I'm losing the the name of the book that we both really love, the war novel. Um, what is that? Matterhorn? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's been a bunch. Which yeah. one? <laughs> no, so, so that's probably, like, for you, I'd say, like, start there. But that is big. I mean, and Jesus' son is, like, stories. Um, yeah. and, it, and it is his most famous and most influential work. So maybe Jesus' son. Hmm. Well, I'm sorry that you lost my favorite writer. That's Thank you. That's hard. I'm sorry for his family and his fans. Thanks for sharing it with us, Lib. You're welcome. All right. Uh, Just to wrap up this week, I want to give shout outs to a couple of my favorite books from last year that are both out in paperback this week. Um, One is Modern Lovers by Emma Straub. It is one of the band gets back together kind of books that I love. It's set in Brooklyn about two couples who were friends or one couple and then one of the people in the other couple were all friends in college. They were in a band together and the other member of the band went off and got famous and now someone want like it's like HBO or the movie studios or somebody's calling for the movie rights um, and wants them to give permission to their life rights for their stories to be told in a movie that's mainly about that other band member. Um, and that's sort of how the story opens. But we really get inside these two marriages of couples that are in their middle age. They're wondering and wrestling with like what happens if you've peaked already. Like if your coolest days are over, um, both of the couples are raising teenagers. One has a daughter and one has a son and the daughter is very cool. Uh, think like a younger Zoe Kravitz kind of cool. The son is nerdy and quiet, but a really good kid. Uh, and they kind of end up striking up a thing together. Uh, The kids are getting together just as the parents are ending up on the outs with each other. And the story moves between all of the characters' perspectives. So you get the like middle-aged person perspective on like yearning for your good old days, but then also the teenagers who are in the thick of it, who are like, these are not the good days. (laughs) Like, when are my good days coming? Being a teenager is hard and confusing and my parents are fighting. And what does it all mean? There's a really solid midlife crisis in the novel, which is a thing that like doing it well and making it funny but also relatable I think is hard and Emma Straub does that really beautifully so that's Modern Lovers 
And then the memoir in the country we love by uh, Diane Guerrero, who you would recognize from Orange is the New Black, if you're a fan of that, uh, is a story about her parents being deported when she was a teenager, what her life was like uh, growing up with parents who were uh, undocumented and um, bigger questions about identity and what it means to be an American, what it means to be an immigrant. It's a really uh, sad and beautiful and bravely told story. It's also really excellent on audio um, and would be good, would give you a lot to chew on, I think, for a book club meeting as well. So that's In the Country We Love by Diana Guerrero. So those are our new books, our paper book shout outs, and our tribute this week. What are you going to read now? Well, you mean aside from watching all of Cheers? <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to read now? I guess this is a better question. Um, I, told the, I told the Insiders kids that I would read Dune this weekend because I have never read Dune, which no one can seem to believe. But I don't know. It's just it's never come across my, my path, even though I went upstairs and I was like, oh, yeah, look, I have a copy. Um, <laughs> of course. We were talking, I think we were talking about sandworms, and then we were like, Dune, mm-hmm. of course, you know, Beetlejuice and all that. Yeah. And I've never read Dune, but I imagine that it's like, in my brain, Dune is just like the movie Tremors. <laughs> yes. There's actually a funny chart on the internet of like, this different size of sandworms. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, I've never watched the movie either, because everyone's like, oh, don't pay attention to the film and all stuff, but I've never seen the movie either. Um, so, I'm going to read Dune. What are you going to awesome. read? I'm going to read The Art of Living by Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, which it comes out next week. So I'm just like starting to do my homework. And I will say like, I've been very, I object to all of the uses of like in these troubled times as a headline for things lately, but I will get right on board with it for this book. Um, The idea being that in troubled times, which I think most times are troubled, but I also think that right now is particularly troubled. There's a real urgency to understand ourselves and to understand the world, but also to find ways to live within it peacefully and to make the impact that we want to. And Thich Nhat Hanh is writing in in this book about basically the art of living mindfully and breaking out five specific teachings that are important to help us transform and heal ourselves, our family, our society, and the earth. Um, So these are built. He is a Zen master. His books are all about uh, things built on the principles of Buddhism and mindfulness, but applied and written for lay people. You don't need to really know anything. You you never need any like base knowledge going into his books. Um, he lays out everything in a very uh, accessible an open way, tells lots of stories from his own life to ground things and examples, um, but has really made a difference to how I understand my own mindfulness practice and sort of putting uh, my yoga practice into perspective as well. Um, but I do, you know, I find a lot of comfort in, there are people who have been thinking about how to find peace within the world for thousands and thousands of years, and these are teachings pulled from that. Uh, and he's just one of the most interesting and thoughtful writers, I think, about these issues today. So yeah, I'm looking forward to reading that. Yay! Woo! Okay. So that is our show. That was a silly Friday afternoon. (laughs) It was. It was. By the time you're listening to this, we hope that you all had a nice Memorial Day weekend. If you got a long weekend, if you work in publishing and you got your first summer Friday, congratulations. You're not in the office anymore as we're recording this being squirrely. Um, 
But thank you to our sponsors, to Amazon Kindle. Don't forget to watch the Scripps National Spelling Bee on June 1st. Uh, to Owlcrate, go to owlcrate.com and use the offer code BOOKRIOT10, all one word, and it's the number 10 at the end there, to get 10% off your Owlcrate subscription. And to Violet Grenade, which sounds awesome. We'll have a link to it and all the sponsors in the show notes. If you have anything for us, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com or talk to us on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. If you want to rate or review the show on iTunes, it helps other folks to find their way to us. And also, Book Riot has two new podcasts dropping in the next couple of weeks. One is about uh, mysteries and thrillers, and one is about sci-fi fantasy. So keep an eye on the site and our social feeds if those other things are up your alley. Uh, the Sci-Fi Fantasy Show is being hosted by Jen Northington, who's currently also on the Get Booked podcast, and Sharifa Williams. And the uh, mystery thriller show is going to be hosted by Katie McLean and Rincey Abraham, who are two of our great contributors. I've heard the preview shows, and they are excellent. So just know that that's coming down the pike for you. Uh, and that's that's the end of my spiel this week, Lib. All right. <laughs> And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime. And in the meantime. Happy norm. reading. Oh, happy reading. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>